Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another Sticks and Bones episode by Evoking with your ghost host, Chelsea. And Tennis finally back. Yeah, I'm back. She's oh my back. gosh, it's it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a really long time because we took a week off and then um this last week you were technically you were back in the states but dalton and i had filmed an episode because we're busy we're moving and shaking over here so just welcome back yes that was like the best news i saw i was on the flight home and i was like i have we have to schedule a podcast like i have to film one i'm delirious i've been up for over 24 hours like how am i gonna podcast I know, I know. And it's always like the very like low energy part of our job. But um, I was even tired by the time I got to the podcast episode with Dalton. I'm like, all right, I got to pump this one out. But I feel like it gives us life when we podcast. It really does. But shout out to Dalton, Divine Earth Alchemy for uh, being a real ghost host. She is just always like the third ghost host on this podcast. So yeah, shout out to Dalton. But how are you? How is vacation? I know the listeners are dying to know. I'm good. It was fun. Um, it was one of those vacations that's not really a vacation. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, no, I've been terrible. <laughs> it's straight go, 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 go. Um, I think we walked like 10 miles every single day. Yeah. Um, because when you go to like a place for the first time, you're like, well, I I don't know if I'm ever going to be back. I have to see everything. I need to read every plaque. I need to look at every single thing. (laughs) And like we had planned for rest days because we knew it was just going to be a lot before the wedding and everything. We woke up on those rest days and we're like, no, we have to book everything right now to fill this day. Like I don't need sleep. I need answers. I, I get it. Like we did Italy, um, in a week, we went to Rome, Florence, and then the Amalfi coast. And we did it in a week. And it was, I don't know how you did that. Yeah. Shit of my life. Oh, we did two weeks. So we did a few days in Rome. We did Naples. We did, uh, Ravello, Amalfi shot up to Tuscany for his sister's wedding and then ended in Venice. And like, when I tell you my ass was dragging over every single bridge in Venice, yeah, I we looked at each other. We're like, we want to go home. Like, we miss our kitty cats. We miss, I miss evoking. <laughs> yeah, I miss evoking. I miss, I miss everything. I miss sticks and bones, yeah. all the fun stuff. Um, but I was just like, it's so pretty, but I miss everybody. Well, I think too, what people don't realize if you've never been to Europe. American culture is just so crazy and funny compared to Europe. Like I miss my big Dunkin' iced coffee that they don't fucking have in Italy. Um, They don't even have normal iced coffees. You have to order it a different way. They don't give you iced water at the table. You have to ask for it. And the AC in the hotel rooms, I don't know if you experienced this. We stayed in really great, amazing hotels that were like five stars. The AC is like non-comparable to like a good old Hilton in the U.S. (laughs) And like, I, I grew up in America, like yeah. Celsius is not my game. I do know that when it hits 40, that's like around a hundred Fahrenheit for us. So like, that's what I'm comparing it to. So I know Rome was like upper thirties. Like it was cooking in Rome, like hot there. Oh, it was cooking in Rome. Um, we got, I got crazy sunburn in like Pompeii. Like it, it was wild. Like trip of a lifetime truly but like I'm exhausted I need a vacation for my vacation oh yeah that's how I felt when I came home I was so tired exhausted and like 
I think I came home on a Saturday and then I had to go to work on Monday when I was working at my last job. And it mm-hmm. was just like the your six hour time difference. Um, it's an, an incredible place to go. Like I love Italy. It's mm-hmm. the, the gelato, the pasta. Yes. Sign me up. But yeah, I think after a while you're like, oh, I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was telling Kev, I'm like, usually if I'm working international for like an archeological dig, like in my mind, I have already kind of planned out, oh, I'm going to be here three months or a month and a half. Like mentally, I'm already prepared for that long haul. Right. What's like, I was like at the end, like, when do we go? Like I. Two weeks is a long time. It was a lot. Vacation, you know? It was a lot, especially when like every three days we were like moving to a new location. So it was never like, like a nice, like sit and like, (sighs) it was like here's your next three outfits. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Take a shower, get up and let's go. We got, when, when I tell you I was taking like three or four showers a day in Rome because I thought I was a sweaty Betty here. No, Nay, nay. I was a swamp monster in Rome. So how was, so actually my family is, it's so funny because mm-hmm. my parents went to my mom turned 60. So she went to Italy for her birthday with like all her um, really close friends and they were celebrating someone else's birthday too. I think you just missed them. Like they were like trailing behind you when you were going down like the Amalfi coast. Like they were. Yeah. I literally saw like two days behind you. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm jealous. Why, why am I not in Italy? Damn. I know. I think I saw it on social media and I was like, like the day that we left like Ravello Amalfi area, like your parents were there. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, they're like following you. I'm like, like, invite everybody. Thanks. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But um, yeah, I was having FOMO between my parents and then 10 being in Italy and me having to see all the photos. I'm like, cool. I'll just sit in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so listen, someone had to be here because they had to pet my kitty cats. <laughs> it was a wild week two weeks i know anytime that i had like stable internet i'd be like trying to check in um no i died and we're gonna (laughs) talk about death today but i really did die and come back to life so i know the one time i finally had like good stable wi-fi i like facetimed you because you were almost locked out of my house yeah it was (laughs) (laughs) and that was like the first time i saw you it literally felt like i hadn't seen you in years like we had been separated by like the civil war or something and like i mean yeah if i don't speak to you for a day i think it's crazy and weird (laughs) and i was like i i was like where is 10 like i was in your home with your cats and i'm like it honestly felt really lonely i was like this is weird because usually we'd just be like shooting the shit drinking our coffees eating the gummy bears but i I know i was like who am i gonna call like every hour on the hour like I I guess I'm gonna have to talk to my husband like (laughs) yeah yeah no it was weird and honestly like my whole day-to-day routine changed because we we've said this before we have a routine like I wake up you do your thing I do mine then we get on the phone around like 10 30 in the morning and every morning I was like but now who do I talk to (laughs) I guess I'll just you're like Pluto come here I need to talk to you (laughs) Yes, I'll just talk to Pluto. I know I did catch myself talking to him and being like, can you imagine, can you believe this shit happened to me today? And he was just staring at me like, okay. Oh my God. During the first part of like the pandemic lockdown, that was me and Voodoo. I was losing my mind because Kevin was still had to go to work because cancer doesn't stop. So yeah, he didn't get off. And I, like, it was me, Voodoo and the four walls of my apartment. And I was losing my mind. 
yeah it's it's hard like it's like what else she's supposed to do and your cats are just staring at you like this is the cat lady are you okay <laughs> um but yeah we're happy you're back and today um to segue into kind of the next thing that we're talking about um ten is actually going to recap like one of the places she was at at I don't know, remember what part of Italy, um, one of her favorite places she visited, but also I think important to note the spiritual activity there. And also we want to really talk about the etiquette at archeological sites, because we have to remember that a lot of the places that you visit in these very old ancient sites are actually burial grounds. And I think people forget that. So, um, I'm going to hand it over to you, but what, you know, what are you going to talk about? Like, what was your most intense part of your trip? I, I'm sure all of it was because when I was in Rome, like I didn't have my sight, but I could feel like. Yeah. Was- so we like, as soon as we got off the plane, we on like behalf of like one of the greatest recommendations from Chelsea, we went and saw the capuchin monks and oh my God. everyone worked there. To go see it. If you're going to Italy, the capuchin monks in Rome legit Google it because like the macabre artwork of using human remains it's on parallel and seeing that and I think that was actually my husband told me that that was the first time that art actually spoke to him where he saw it as a scientist with human remains in art and was like I understand now so that I think was the one of the greatest things I've ever seen but being a death goyal um a few of my favorite places were the catacombs of Rome just seeing where people would be buried. And we only saw like a minuscule, like maybe 1% of the catacombs. And it's like four levels. It's over like five miles underground for one catacomb. And there's over 65 catacombs in Rome. It's insane, the necropolis there. But the craziest place that I went to, we did a trip. um, It was a day for half in Pompeii, half in Herculaneum. So the two sites that are on either side of Mount Vesuvius, which um, on October 24th in uh, 79 CE, Vesuvius erupted, mm-hmm. unfortunately covered those two towns. Um, the great part for an archaeologist is those towns are perfectly preserved. So we're able to capture what was going on during the first century CE. How are the people? Time. It, it's truly frozen in time and we're able to see. This was the artwork. This is how the city was laid out. This is what people were doing. Um, The unfortunate side, this is always a downside in archaeology, is usually when something like that and we get a perfect preservation, it comes at the cost of lives. So with that, a lot of people did perish in both Pompeii, less in Herculaneum because Herculaneum was more of a aristocratic site that was a almost like a vacation site. So they would leave... Um, during the winter so around October it was less populated Um, but a lot of people did perish Um, and when we got there because there were also less people there it was like all of a sudden just like an overwhelming sense of like grief and Mm -hmm. just like the my anxiety like shot through the roof like I like stopped walking and like I looked like a deer in the headlights. You have a panic attack because I sometimes it happens to me when I enter sites like that. I will have like to- almost like I was just like I can't I can't get closer. Like I I physically cannot get any closer. Otherwise, like there is going to be an issue. Like I stopped walking. Like I was frozen in like time and space. I Kevin's wonder- like Kevin's what? like we need to keep going. 
I'm like, I, I can't like, I wonder if you were feeling the suffocation that people were feeling as, as they were dying, because I know sometimes when I'm stepping into places where people die tragically, you sometimes can feel how they die. Like the pressure on the chest, the suffocation of like dying under volcanic ash. Like, I think it was that, but where Herculaneum is, it was right on the coastline. Okay. Um, but because of the eruption, the coastline did expand, but all the people at that site were gathered in the boathouses and they were trying for a ship to come in to get oh, them. No. And unfortunately, when the massive eruption did occur, um, what else was triggered? A tsunami. Right. So while the bay was kind of pulling out for the tsunami, nobody could get in. So these people were kind of stuck in this boathouse, looking at the water, pull back for a, a tsunami they see Vesuvius behind them. You're literally trapped. Like it's, it, yeah. you're going one way or another. You know, you're going out. Exactly. And the archaeologists there, they have dug up all the remains, um, but they did place in ceramic human remains where they found them. And it like, I'm, I'll probably upload a picture maybe to um, Patreon, but walking next to it, like I broke down. I'm kind of happy they were fake human remains. Mm -hmm. But they look they look just like Yeah. Well. But could you imagine like just walking by like actual human like obviously you were getting the picture of like all the remains that were around. Yeah, they look real, but there's something different when they're there. Yeah. It was it was creepy. I actually like had a really hard time. Like I had a veil. I had literally all the protective stuff on and it still wasn't enough. And I was just like, I can't, I can't be here. Like, mm -hmm. but at that moment, I was also like, I need to be here. Like their story needs to be told. Um, so that was kind of like mentally like going like a warfare in my own head of like, this is hard, but like, you have to go through this. Like they need you, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, they did not feel any pain um because it was basically instantaneous mm -hmm. so there is some silver lining and peace in that aspect of death um but I think that site may have been the hardest emotional site I've ever been to I could see that it's, it's hard I've been to other earthquake sites I've been to different areas with other things happening and nothing really captured this so if you are ever in you know italy and you do get a chance to go to herculaneum i highly recommend it it is less populated than pompeii like pompeii was like it felt like being in new york city yeah well everyone's going to pompeii i mean it doesn't matter who you are and your level of knowledge and history every single person knows about pompeii, pompeii right so it's like everyone's like i gotta go to pompeii um i never got the chance to go to pompeii because we didn't have enough time and like you know I was with family and I was arguing to go to Pompeii, me and my brother, because we're like history buffs. And yeah, but then the other half of my family wanted to go to Sorrento and like eat and buy lemon plates. And they ultimately won. And I was like, come on, no one wants to see Pompeii. Um, you know, my dad was in between. He was like, I'll go either or. I think he really wanted to go to Pompeii. But <laughs> I think looking back on it, I think at that time, I'm kind of happy I didn't go because I won had no sight then wasn't a death worker was not veiling and I don't know what would have happened to me if I had gone without any notion of like how to protect myself appropriately so yeah it was 
it was crazy. Pompeii was like, I could breathe a lot better there. Like there was less anxiety for me. Um, but it was really cool. I mean, you get to see all like the phalluses left and right. There's the famous brothel. We didn't get a chance to go in because the line was like a Disney world line. Um, but the artwork, like you can always look up, it's just like, you know, erotic frescoes, you know, great. Um, and I love telling my students like, okay, well, why are they showing all of these erotic frescoes? It's because you might not be able to speak the language. You might be illiterate, but what is universal and cross-cultural and across languages? Artwork. Oh. (laughs) What were you going to say? Sex. (laughs) Well, yeah, artwork of sex. So you could literally point to a picture of what service you might like. Right. That one. (laughs) I would like this specific one. I'd like Um, the number one special, please. (laughs) But I think what you said was interesting is that you saw people doing strange things at like a very tragic oh my god and we want to talk about this a little bit not to dictate how you should or should not do things but I think sometimes we forget especially if you're you you don't see spirits or you're not a death worker um I have a different outlook on this now now being what I've studied um but you should always be going into any sort of really ancient site with respect because obviously people most likely have died there. So go ahead. I'll, I'll give the floor. Yeah. That I think was the biggest thing for me, like being an archeologist, like I always kind of had this outlook, but then doing things with death and, you know, more spiritual side really kind of just took it into the Jedi level of like, here's what you should not really do. And a lot what I saw, and I know it's probably because we've all been cooped up for the last few years, everybody and their mother was at Pompeii. But what was troubling was that I kept seeing a lot of people posing and taking Instagram worthy snaps with Vesuvius in the background and the city ruins. Like, that's great. That's fine. I don't get the the posing and trying to get the perfect photo in that aspect for social media because you are at an active burial ground Mm -hmm. you are at an active place where tragedy struck thousands of people died and it was a historical tragedy and to see that take place right next to the villa where they have some of the plaster casts on display of individuals who perished And the plaster casts are so detailed where you see individuals in their final seconds of life. It's kind of shocking to see like, here's death and here's people trying to take selfies. Right. And in their final moments of a tragic moment of their life where they're trapped. I just don't think that's, that's it. Like it's okay to take pictures of yes, like preserve their memory and talk about their story. And I think that's great. But if you're doing it to post, like I'm at Vesuvius and like you're in your crop top and you're like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not for that. Like these people died tragically. And yeah, that, and I even pointed out to Kev, I was like, I, I have a problem with this. Like, did I take pictures at Pompeii? Absolutely. I did. Did I take pictures next to pillars and frescoes? Yes. To show scale for my students. Did I take pictures? Yes. But am I smiling? Absolutely not. Why? I'm at an active burial ground. 
Yeah. And I mean, you're not like putting filters on it and face tuning it and being like, here I am at Pompeii in Instagram influencer, you know, like that's where I think it gets super disrespectful. And I know we, we talked about spirit etiquette, um, in other earlier podcast episodes, but it's just like some food for thought. It's like, just always know where you are and remember that there's spirits that still reside there. It's still an active place, right? Like we're not going to go to Gettysburg and start like, you know, taking, I'm not, yeah, we're not going to have a picnic on Pickett's Run and take selfies. Like, no, um, because it's disrespectful to the deceased that are still there. And, you know, it's just, it's just weird. And even like in Rome, you also brought up a good point that I remember like people are just so disrespectful to like the Coliseum. Um, they're just like doing crazy things, like trying to take pieces away from the sites. And it's like, this is a moment of time that's preserved. And if we want it, we want to have it for future generations or be allowed back. Mm-hmm. Have to have respect. That um, again, the Coliseum is another great example. You can take pictures, respect it, but you also should understand people died. It wasn't just the gladiators, you know, who were fighting and you know used for games and spectacle. Yeah, you also had martyrs, early Christian martyrs there, and we have to look at history and you know spirituality as a whole we can't just cherry pick so we have to you know showcase and understand like multiple people did die here let's let's understand what it was used for right no i agree with you and it's it's like upsetting to see those things happen and people just being disrespectful at at sight yeah i do know that they are you know they really do and i know just not being able to travel probably set us back a few years in that sense. Um, we had a tour from an archaeologist at Pompeii and Herculaneum, and he was saying that recently somebody took a marble piece from a villa in Pompeii, just Come for the hell it. of it. Um, people were smoking, and he went up to them and was like, you cannot smoke. Why? Because it is outdoors, um, but it's an open-air museum, basically. Right. And the man went to go put his cigarette out on a fresco <laughs> that's gross People i was like deserve- in shock like ready to tackle this man and be like what are you doing that's disgusting it was it was wild to see and just to know that like we have so much to do to educate people about ancient sites mm-hmm. um kind of some do's and don'ts but if you lead with respect um and go in with the right ideals that's all we can ask and if you can just maybe remind yourself and maybe remind somebody that you're traveling with that's all we can ask for right no I agree with you so you know just if it's one thing you take from this as with us always is always just go into sites with respect and you know not not saying don't take pictures like obviously take pictures it's history but just remember where you are um but moving on from this topic, because I know we have like so many things we want to talk about today. I know. Catch up on. Um, we did want to touch upon like death a little bit more today. And I know we've talked about it many of times on their podcasts, but Sawin is coming up. And I know Maban will have just passed or Maybon, however you pronounce it. Um, but I do want to start talking about Sawin a little bit and in particular talking about death, life, and transformation. And um, you know, we just talked about death and you know, this ancient site, but bringing it to a more modern sense and talking about it, not like the physical death of death of body, Mm -hmm. death of a cycle. Um, 
And I think, you know, what people forget is like death isn't always a physical thing that happens to you. Um, death is coming out of a cycle or transforming or having like this rebirth. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the Phoenix rising from the ashes, shedding a layer of your own skin. Yes. You know, I like, and this is, let me get a little nerdy for a hot minute, but like watching the mummy growing up, Brendan Fraser, like peak yeah. acting. Oh, that was, a, um, they had the greatest cast in that movie. Iconic. Iconic. Like everybody was beautiful, like hot, would do 10 out of 10. Um, But in the mummy, the inside inscription of the sarcophagus actually says death is only the beginning. Oh my God. I love and that. I remember at like eight years old, seeing that and being like I want to be an archaeologist like death is truly only the beginning I'm obsessed with death like it that truly clicked to me so then when I learned tarot like in later years of high school seeing the death card for end of like yes cycle transitions transformations I was like it all makes sense it does and it's kind of one of my favorite cards like capitalizing off of the last episode where Dalton and I talked about tarot death is one of my favorite things ever it's not only my favorite tarot card but i think when people think of death they get they paralyze with fear and they get nervous but also death is ending a cycle and coming out of a really hard time or breaking a cycle breaking generational trauma um putting a stop to something that you know that has you running like a hamster on a wheel almost and we wanted to talk about this today because Ted and I actually changed our hair. Um, I don't know if, if some of you have seen us in person on lives or any of our videos and social media posts, but um, I literally just ended a very horrible cycle that happened to the both of us last year. And um, I decided to cut all my hair off and dye it pink because I needed a change. Like, and I also feel like hair holds on to energy. Yes. Um, and that hair I had last year, and I was like, I'm cutting five inches off and I'm dying my hair. And I really feel like it helped me end this like cycle that I kept getting thrown into. hundred percent hair holds energy. It can hold pain. It holds trauma. Um, and I think when you kind of get rid of it, you yourself are cutting that cycle and giving it the finality that it needs. Or if you are dying at a different color, you're also transforming it and you are physically pushing that out of the way and saying, you know what, we're done. Like (laughs) I've healed, I've moved on. I, I don't need this as a constant reminder. Right. And I actually was sitting in the chair getting my hair done. And I remember she cut it before we dyed it pink, just so we had less hair to work with. And I actually cried because I just felt like the biggest sigh of relief of like, okay, all the hard shit that I had been through actually been happening over the past two years it's done it's over with and Mm -hmm. I'm working on healing and moving on and um yeah so we just wanted to talk about that because you know I do think as a death worker it's something that Ted and I talk about in our own readings it's something that we talk about very publicly like really helping people in these huge transformative periods and coming out of them and if you're going through a hard time or you've just ended a really hard time I think you should do something to honor that, you know, honor that cycle that you were in and do something for yourself that will help push you into a, a new chapter and transformation. So whether that's cutting your hair, um, I don't know, Tom, what do you do? Like when you're, I've, I've also gone a tattoo. Yes. Oh my God. Like the pain of a tattoo after a painful time, you're like, give it to me. <laughs> I need to feel a hundred percent. I need to feel something, yeah. uh, a piercing, 
Yes. Um, I remember after my um grandfather passed away in high school, I really wanted a tattoo in his honor. And my parents were like, All right, wait a year. And if you still want it, like we'll pay for it. And I was like, Okay. So and I drew it. I drew the artwork and it was actually my first tattoo. And I remember getting it done. My dad actually changing his opinion on tattoos at that moment. And finally feeling healed from it yeah because and now you have something to commemorate that cycle or that hard time that you've been through and you're like okay I'm going to heal and move on but I'm not going to forget that happened to me and I think that's okay too like when you're coming out of a really hard time you you don't have to forgive anybody especially if it's people that were causing this hard time for you You don't have to forgive but you can make peace with yourself and what happened and you just don't forget it happened, but you can move on and that takes time. So yeah, I'm planning on getting a tattoo, I think in October. Um, dude, I'm itching for a new tattoo. Yeah. So they, these, there's, um, a place by me. That's actually a bunch of witches, female witches that have like this tattoo shop and like, oh my God, their books are booked out, but I applied to get a tattoo in October and hopefully, I mean, this one girl's books open October 1st. And I really hope she like picks me to tattoo, um, but it actually is about death. So it's going to be um, in honor of Thanatos. And I'll show you guys once I get it. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, once I get tattooed, I will, you know, I'll be posting that shit on the internet. Oh, yeah. Tattoos truly just he- heal me. I love getting them because I will pick something, but there's so many different meanings behind them. So it's like, yeah, it looks like this, but this is also what it means. But I really got it for this, which I think is like one of my favorite things and I love when people are like you shouldn't tattoo yourself like you're gonna have that forever it's like well I fucking hope so like with what I paid for it I paid for it thank you I hope I have it forever or they're like your body's a temple what are you doing and I'm like um have you not seen any of the ancient temples that are painted like from head to toe like if I'm trying to make myself an ancient temple like Right. It's me the fuck up. <laughs> it's also a piece of you, you know, like it's, it's a part of your journey and your story and yeah, it's I wearable art. Right. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. And you can make your own. So yeah, I, I guess we just want to encourage you. Like, you know, if you've been through a hard cycle, do something, do something to commemorate that transformation. Sometimes that's like going to get a massage. Sometimes. I mean, I literally am my closet's a train wreck. I'm planning to go in there and start throwing out clothes and donating that I don't want. And Investing in a new wardrobe and like changing my look because I am not the same person that I was last year. I'm different, definitely different because of this. So changing makeup look, like I'll change like how I do like eyeliner wings. I changed my blush and I was like, who is she? She's (laughs) the new girl. (laughs) Who's that girl? It's Chelsea. (laughs) Yeah, I changed my blush and I was like, oh my God, look at her. She said, I came out of a cycle. Peace. Um, yeah. Also too, like you can also, when you're going through a hard time, channel that energy into something. That's how 10 and I have a metaphysical store. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Our metaphysical store is born from spite and tears. Spite and Sprite baby. That's where it comes from. And look at us now. We, we created art, like something we love so very much out of a painful period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It- that too. It sucked in the moment, but you know what? We all have some sort of lesson to learn. Haven't figured out what this lesson was yet, but one no, day. No, but one day we'll look back on this and go, aha, 
that, and sometimes, you know, the lesson isn't for us. Sometimes the lesson is other people are shitty. So that's true. Like maybe it was just a, a PSA for everyone. <laughs> if you're listening, sometimes people are just shitty. Yeah. So. Right. Anyway. So yeah, speaking of death, you can always look at, look at it in that aspect too. And especially if you're afraid of it, just remember, it's something we do all the time where we die in cycles all the time and come out in this transformation. I never like to say reborn because it's giving Christianity and I'm like, I'm reborn. Like, you know, I, I, I think they killed that word for me, but you're always transforming into a beautiful butterfly. So we're always shedding. Things are always going to be uncomfortable, especially change. So just, just rock with it, you know, roll with it. And I think the best metaphor is kind of when you just mentioned with the butterfly, like the caterpillar's body literally has to like disintegrate and turn to mush before it turns into a beautiful butterfly. Like, oh yeah. It's the worst. It's the worst pain ever. To like trans- the transformation isn't pretty, but like when it's done, it's over for you bitches. Yeah, it's over for you bitches. We got new blush and pink hair and I'm coming for your neck. <laughs> I'm back to my brown hair. I I know I love your brown hair. It's so good. It's wow. First of all, my sister, when I did diet, I posted a video and my sister on TikTok was like, she got a notification that was like, your friend just posted a video. And she's like, who the fuck is my friend? She goes to it and she's like, who the fuck is this? Who is so- this girl? <laughs> And it took her a while to figure out it was her fucking sister. And she was like, I have not seen you in like a color close to your natural color since like junior year of college. So seven years, eight years, I think. Well, listen, the dying of the blonde gets really damaging after a while. This I know. I know. I'm like, I'm ready to heal my hair, heal my soul. Oh, my life. Maybe this color will just heal me. You need to dye your hair uh, like purple or something so we can match. We can be like, <laughs> you got you to do, you know what you should do? Didn't you say you wanted to do like a purpley or like a red color or something? Yeah. So Kev was like, you should do like black with like red highlights. So I would look like, yes. Thorn. so I'd look like Thorn from the Hex Girls, which was Kev's you first crush. So should do that. I'm here for it. So maybe one day 10 will just show up with black hair and red highlights. <laughs> um i also think it adds to our like witchy aesthetic like i just want to own a store with bell sleeves and pink hair and just be like come back here i'll make you a potion oh my god we were talking about that the other day you're like please say you like want this or we're gonna have an issue (laughs) yeah we were talking about um what a future like brick and mortar metaphysical store would look like because y'all know that's gonna happen for us one day we are working planning on it (laughs) one day (laughs) and I was like saying I don't really like the green witch look like I don't like the open space the crystal table in the middle of the store that everybody has like I want 10 literally looked at me she goes no I want like velvet walls and like a crystal ball and like long sleeve dresses and I'm like why are we always the same like I want a vampire casket in there for no reason like I want the Haunted Mansion ride, but a metaphysical store. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I want to be the floating head on the. Yes. I want to be Madame Leota, please. <laughs> Being like, welcome to my store, children. What can I conjure up for you today? Put that back. <laughs> That's what I want. I feel like no one does that anymore because everyone's like modern witches. No, let's take it back to like. I want to scare people. I want to bring back the scary hot topic. Yes. I want people to be afraid to come in. That's what I want. <laughs> I want like a hocus pocus like vibe, like where I have this dusty old grimoire 
and we just open it and I'm like, you want to hex your ex? You come to the <laughs> Let me go into this drawer of like <laughs> who's it's and what's it's and let yeah. me pull out like a dead man's toe. Like, here you go. <laughs> I have newt. <laughs> that would be so funny. Um, but all right, let's let's move on. We are manifesting. We are manifesting. Okay, so um, what we wanted to jump into next is we actually thought it'd be a good idea because we do get a ton of questions on lives about like certain things about us personally or you know, our practice. And we decided to pull the good people of Instagram because who cares about TikTok? Ew. Shout outs to you. Um, we do have a few questions for Ted and I from some of our viewers. So thank you very much for those of you that wrote in. I honestly just took the first three questions that I saw because they were so great. Um, so sorry if we didn't get to your question today, but, um, I am going to read some and we're going to answer. So, you know what I was actually surprised about? There are no Titanic questions for me to answer. (laughs) I know. Also, I keep seeing on my um for you page on TikTok, people are talking about like some childhood obsessions they had, and everyone says the Titanic. And I, I keep thinking of you. I'm like, oh, you. God. it hit like the 90s babies by storm. <laughs> <laughs> Must have missed me because I didn't have that obsession. <laughs> it hit it missed Kevin and my sister too. Like <laughs> every time I think about the Titanic now I just think of you like as a as a young girl being like I need to know everything <laughs> it's truly like the w- Ron Swanson line I know more than you like <laughs> weird Titanic facts with 10 you should just make that a TikTok series oh my god the shit I could get into like you should do it I would watch sixth it. grade me at the book at the scholastic book fairs like you got anything on the Titanic this year you got anything good here, fellas? <laughs> I need something that'll hit. I want to feel something. Got anything on death? <laughs> or mythology? Meanwhile, I was probably just buying like an Arthur book. I'm like, I don't know. Oh, man. Arthur, Arthur slapped back in the day. Does slap. Oh, I miss Scholastic. All right, let's let's jump into these. So I guess I'll start with, I'll ask my own question first because it's on the first list and then I'll go to you. So, um... Someone asked me, which this hit me right in the fucking chest. Like whoever asked this question, shout out to you. Cause it hit me in my soul. And 10, I think like you should answer this question too, because okay. it's a really good one. Okay. Ready for this? I'm, I'm so nervous. Cause it's like an existential <laughs> crisis. <laughs> Has witchcraft and death work affected your relationships and life in some way? And why? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> well, they swung for the fucking fence with that one everybody get ready for my therapy session okay so I had time to think about this because I do want to talk about the good and the bad with this because right now I'm in a very good place with the relationships in my life and everyone so far is very accepting Mm -hmm. of my practice but I do want to take it back to the beginning when I first started because it was the worst fucking time of my life and I just want to be honest like I'm going to be honest and if you're someone listening that crucified me at the stake in the beginning this one's for you. <laughs> Special shout out to you. So witchcraft definitely took a toll on a lot of the relationships I had in my life, because as you guys know, I grew up Catholic um, and death work did too, especially when I became a psychic medium. It happened when I started this business and no one seemed to have a problem with it when I was doing it part-time psychic mediumship, but I had always been hiding witchcraft because I know the kind of rep that gets amongst people. So I was always doing it behind the scenes. I never really told my family or my friends, like two people knew and that was it. But as I became more out in the open, 
a lot of people were worried about if I was going to hell. Um, I lost a ton of friendships. A lot of family members said some pretty horrible things about me, um, calling me like a freak. And I think when you start to step outside of a societal norm of like, she's blonde hair, has blue eyes, and she has this amazing job. And like, she should work in this huge city and be this one person. And then you switch up on people in like a year, they have a really hard time digesting that. So a lot of people lashed out on me and they were like, you've changed. I stopped going out and drinking because when you do spiritual work, I would say you have to be sober. Like you can have a good time every once in a while, but you don't really have the energy to go out and club, you know, especially with the work we do. Yeah. So a lot of people didn't like how I was switching up on them and I was healing, going to therapy. So I just changed completely like did a, and I, and I don't, I forgive them. Like I really do forgive people for saying horrible things to me. Um, but I lost a lot of friends, terrible, terrible things people were saying about me. And I think once people finally understood what I was doing, because when you hear witchcraft, you get scared. You're like, she's conjuring the devil in the basement. Um, it became more accepting. So it really took a huge toll on my relationships, but now I'm in the process of healing that. Um, and my family is completely accepting of what I do, but I, I had to explain it and it takes people some time to digest. And you know what? I can't be mad at someone for that. Yeah. I, I think it's great that they are now coming around and understanding like, Hey, let's, let's hear her out. Like, right. She's not crazy. Like Chelsea is totally a normal person. And like, if she's telling me this is what she wants to do with her life, why are we just not accepting that? But how could you ask somebody to accept that when that's not their belief? So I don't forgive people for the insults. Like I think that you shouldn't lash out on people, but I forgive them for not accepting it. I wasn't expecting that. So yeah. And I think it's hard when it's societal, systemic, like that's what all they knew and haven't, you know, never really had to think outside the box. Right. So when it's bred into you that way, it's it's kind of hard to be like, hmm, there's things outside of this. Right. Right. And I think it's hard to ask people to accept your practice. And um, unfortunately I had to be public with what I was doing. I was even nervous to start the podcast and start talking about these things. Cause it's like out here on the internet and like anyone can just listen to it and listen to my experiences, but you have to move past. We we've said this before. You have to have thick skin and, but yeah, it did affect me. That was one of the cycles that I was talking about that I ended and why I cut all my hair off because I'm finally past this. But yeah, it was, it was fucking hard, man. Yeah. I, I don't think I had too many relationship issues when I like finally was like, yeah, I'm pagan. I'm a witch, blah, blah, blah. I think, I think family wise, it was more when I started challenging Christian ideologies and biblical stories as an archeologist. I think that was when they really had more of an issue when I was blatantly calling out things um, as compared to other stuff. But in terms of death, I think it's helped relationships around me, um, especially with my husband, since he's Mr. Science. He's Bill Nye, the fucking science guy. Yeah. And I think he's also been able to heal his own religious trauma. Um, Of course, when we went through the death of his grandfather, I think it really helped him move out of his own religious trauma and come to terms with death. What's out there, knowing that his grandfather is thriving is still very much here and Mm -hmm. checking in on him um so 
there was healing in that aspect, but I don't think I ever had like the same amount of stuff that you did with, you know, certain members. Um, I did when I started blatantly questioning things publicly about religion and the church. Um, less so when I would came out as like a pagan witch, which was honestly more interesting, I think. Yeah, I think, well, I think one thing I admire about you and, and honestly, like you really helped me cause you were here when I was going through all this because we mm-hmm. were doing together, you always have just been you. And like, I've never just been me, you know, I've always been, and not to say you haven't had this experience where you've been, yeah. but you've always done what you've wanted to do. Like you became an archeologist. You didn't give a fuck. <laughs> people said like, see, I used to very much care not to say that you don't care about what people think, but I think you're a little bit more, you were more accepting of who you were. Mm-hmm. And I was always trying to hide this part of my life. Like I'll never forget. Like when I told my parents, I would read tarot. They were like, since when the, when the hell were you reading tarot? And I'm like, I've been reading it for six years and they looked at me and they were like what you know like I think I kind of shocked people because I was hiding it so mm-hmm. it may have been taken better if I just had been open the whole entire time but as always with anything there's fear behind that because you're doing something that's considered taboo and I'll never forget like the one thing people kept saying to me was I couldn't live a normal life I'm able to see spirits like no one's ever going to want to be with me like I'm never going to live a normal life and like that was the one thing people focused on with me is that my life wouldn't be normal but I'm not a normal person normal's overrated what does that even mean you know like that always really stuck with me and like I was like, what does that even mean? I'm, I'm not normal. And like, what is normal? You know, what is normal? And like, I, I mean, early in our, my relationship with Kevin, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not normal. Like, and he was like, why would I want that? Like, yeah. What is even normal? Like when people say you're not normal, what, what is the ideal standard of normal? Like go with the flow and do what people tell you to do. Like that's, you're trying to keep me in a box. And yeah. But also like, I've, I felt like that because I was, they're like, oh, you're not normal because growing up, I always knew what I wanted to do. And I actually was like, like focusing on that this morning, actually, I was um, thinking about this topic, uh, scary enough, but I, I always felt weird because I knew what I wanted. And I actually always envied people who could just go with the flow, go from one thing to another and like had no qualms like free as could be be like now I'm gonna do this now I'm gonna do this now I'm gonna do this like and I look at you and like people like my father who are like you can pick up something and like if you want to do it like you're gonna go do it and it's like I wish I could absolutely do that um I wish I could take my head out of like the blinders that I have of like must be this must be this have to complete this like yeah and like it's it's wild because you listen to both of us talk and it's like we always think the grass is greener on the other side. We always want what we don't have. Right. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. And it's really hard. And like another thing, okay, I guess we'll narrow it down to, this will be your first question too that you answered. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I'll answer one more about, I'll ask you yours, then we'll answer one more each and then we'll be done. But another thing I wanted to say was, I also think it's really hard to even understand that people listen to us podcasts. Like 10 and I talked about this today where people are talking about how much they love our store and our services and us and our podcast. And like, I'm going to be real with you. I have a hard time understanding that sometimes (laughs) someone just called me a freak and I would never be normal. And like, no one would care or love me because I see spirits. And like, you guys are out here being like, yeah, tell me more what goes on over there. And I'm like, what? And I know we've said this before, but like, I wake up sometimes and I actually struggle with this. Like I struggle with this in my head. I was never cool. I'm like, 
I don't, it doesn't compute. You know what I mean? I don't get it. Truly. Like we, we legit had this conversation this morning. Like we've never been cool. What is cool? First of all. Yeah. Like cool is a temperature setting. Like I've never been cool. I'm still in like my awkward phase. Like, you know how like you go through it in like middle school? Nah, I'm the living awkward phase. And I'm just like, it still shocks me. And one of the biggest shocks was when, I mean, I got home Sunday and we had orders. We had this, we had this, we had messages from you all. And it really threw me for a loop and was truly just so humbling and magnificent and just seeing like holy shit like like we cultivated a community of people a community (laughs) of uh, just amazing like weirdos and I'm happy to be weird like I don't give a shit let's be weird together same and I I feel the same way um I it just is so humbling and like I I've I Anytime someone sends us, see, yeah, I'm like getting choked up a message on Instagram. Sometimes we don't respond, but like, if I see it, I'll send it to 10. And like, we both are crying. If someone just said, I really love this podcast episode. It helped me find like things made sense in my life. I just start crying. Yeah. And I truly mean that from like the bottom of my heart. And even with the metaphysical store, like selling things out, like I never thought we would be in this place. Like, like I said, 10 went through and I went through a horrible situation last year. And to be back here again in this place is like, I know anytime like we still get butterflies and jitters and the yips every single time before we podcast every single time before a launch of a collection and we're just like nobody's gonna show up nobody wants this like we're terrible like oh yeah I mean and the thing is too like we're just two normal gals sitting here like just talking about our life and our experiences and we just always hope that you can resonate or you find peace in the podcast because I wish I had a podcast like this when I was going through all this stuff, because I said this, I was looking for somewhere to turn to, to explain these instances that were happening to me. So, you know, we got to move on to the next question, but like, truly, we just want to thank you because it's helped me get through a lot of the hardships I've been going through these past two years is like having an outlet like this. We're so happy that we can laugh, cry, chortle with each and every one of you, like, and just... I know when I listen back to the podcast, it literally sounds like I'm a rusty wheel who needs like WD-40, like when I laugh. So I I apologize to all the headphone listeners. (laughs) From the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry. It doesn't, I never once thought. (laughs) I always think I'm like yelling and I'm sorry, I'm from New Jersey and it's a personality trait, but I'm always like, when I get passionate, I'm like, and listen, okay. Chortle. I can't stand you. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. We got to move on here. We got to move on. All right. <laughs> I know we're getting choked up in the club. No, give me a question. Okay. Let's do what someone asked you. What is your favorite historical place that you've been to? Have we talked about this before on the podcast? I think so. One different I question. Know. Yeah. Um, right, let's do top okay. three. Top three. I think I mentioned this in another episode, but it's like Delphi, Palace of Knossos, and I don't know, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere I've gone, I can't pick. Okay, let's let's do this. And this is perfect because these are your last two questions. What is your, what, oh, this is your last question, period. What is your favorite part about your research? I don't think anyone's ever asked you this before. So I think this is interesting. And I too would like to know. 
favorite part of my research or like anything that you've like studied or researched I guess giving people their history back I love that I think that's a really good answer I absolutely love finding that and working with governments and working on digs and finding things that have been in human hands some few thousands of years ago and finding that little human link from thousands of years ago that we can relate to today um giving people their history back having people become so excited that they now have a connection to their ancestors that they can see in national museums that they can go to and visit and say this is where our people came from I absolutely love that and making sense of everything and showing people that we're not all that different and we're not all that different from 3000 years ago. No, we're definitely not. And I think it's really funny because a lot of us now that are practicing um, practitioners or doing ancestor work are trying to become what people were 3000 years ago, not society wise, but trying to connect to our ancestors and what practices they were doing. Because I think a lot of us find comfort in that. And we want to go back to those practices, not necessarily the politics and patriarchy, but um, the magic. I think part of it. I think that's some of my favorite stuff and just kind of giving voices to stories of the past giving people their history back giving giving it back to the people today um because when you hold stuff in your hands and you dig stuff up you really realize that you're digging up human history and it is truly the story of all of us yeah from the past to now and it should be available for everybody to see it should be available for everybody to learn about it's the history of humankind and it's crazy to see how many interconnections there are with religion, spirituality, a cultural across history. And it's just utterly fascinating. No, I agree with you. It should be available. That information should be readily accessible to everybody. It doesn't matter what country it is or what belief system. I always like to learn. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's mankind. Like before we started to separate off into these things, we, we're just mankind as one, you know? Yeah. And I think having accessibility, and I will always advocate for accessibility, having people be allowed to go to these places, see things in museums, have access over the internet is going to help open up everybody's mind and be more welcoming. Right. If you study it, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Last question. Someone asked me, and then we'll wrap this up for today. Um, what has been the hardest thing in that you learned in witchcraft? This is a hard one. Ooh. I would probably say, <laughs> I'm going to give two things. I would probably say death work and baneful magic. Um, death work, I was terrified to learn because I knew what that came with um, and the responsibility that I had. Um, well, I was told mm-hmm. that I was going to have and it's a lot of work and I'm not afraid of it anymore. But at first I was like, don't know, man. Don't know if this is for me. <laughs> um, but I would say baneful magic. So like hexing, that was probably really hard for me to overcome because I always, well, I told you I grew, I grew my practice in Wicca first mm-hmm. doing it really wrong. So I was like going by that like belief system of like, 
if you hex somebody three, it'll come back to you threefold, which is a Wiccan belief. And Ted and I already discussed, we're going to do an episode on like hexing, cursing, and like how ancients even used to do it because it is Mm -hmm. a very old practice. Um, But overcoming that fear of like, is something going to come back to me if I hex somebody? Um, And what, what constitutes as a hex, like for me, like with my own moral compass. Um, But now that I've learned it, I think it's an essential tool like baneful wards yeah hexing people like abusers they deserve it they deserve to lose their hair and their jobs oh god yeah so that was really hard and I also think like religious trauma plays into that too because growing up Catholic you're never you're like love everybody but not really depending on what church you go to and you word against your brother or sister but no it's it's my way of taking my power back now is through baneful I what love about that huh why don't you answer this one too is there anything you found hard in witchcraft or not really hard to learn more hard to unlearn religious trauma when learning about the infernal demons and <laughs> yeah, allowing yourself to become comfortable with your shadow self and I think that really has to do with you know therapy shadow work a lot of other like healing that has to be like undone but understanding that you may not reach body positivity positivity with you know loving your shadow self but getting to a neutral stance is also just as good And I don't think it's talked about as much. It's like, you don't have like body positivity, anything positivity should not be the goal. I actually just aim for neutrality. I think that's, I don't like the word body positivity because some days I'm like, wow, she's a smoke show. And the other days I'm like, oh my goodness. Who let the creature from the black lagoon out? (laughs) Yeah, It's a terrible thing to think about yourself. But yeah, I agree that, that too, like learning about yourself and like. And I think learning how to welcome all aspects of yourself the good the bad and the ugly because we all we all have them um allowing your demons and your shadows to come out and dance with each other and letting the skeletons out of your closet yes i would agree and it's a long journey like we said death transformation it's it's a constant journey to achieve self-confidence and some days i'm confident and then some days i'm like wow i just want to slither away into like a hole Oh yeah. Some days I'm like, wow, look at her. Who is she? And then the next day I'm like, I'm a slug. <laughs> a slug that got stepped on. Like I'll just inch on the floor and be like, would you love me if I was a worm, Kevin? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling like that today. It's really hard. Yeah, then I'll just like moan like Uncle Fester up on the roof. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. When I was at your house, I didn't realize Voodoo does that in the freaking basement oh she, she yells like faster yeah i thought there's something wrong with her as i'm shipping and she's going and i'm like what are you fighting down there and like no she just likes to be uncle fester what's <laughs> the weirdest thing like welcome to the adams family house <laughs> oh, god it's like are you good down there what's going on and then she puked and i was like listen i don't get paid enough for this okay i don't get paid <laughs> enough to clean up your puke the first day that i'm here She's like, and Chelsea, I have a welcome present for you. <laughs> it was 10. I was not inside the door for 10, literally 10 minutes. I got all the shipping stuff out. Okay. 
I hear her going, I've never seen a cat puke before. Pluto does not puke or he hasn't at least. And all of a sudden she just vomits all over the floor. And I'm like, oh, usually like a ninja puker. Like we will never like she never does like the the normal thing. So I like don't like launch out of bed in time. But it's gotten to the point where and this is going to kind of be a lot but it's gotten to the point where i won't hear it until it's just liquid rushing out of her body and i'm like no <laughs> won't do it don't yeah. be on the two percent of carpet that we have at this house yeah it was already stressed and then next thing you know voodoo was too excited to see me she vomits all over the floor and i was like no it's okay Hers so hard that she will dry heave that's what she did she loves hard so you were dealing with puke and I was dealing with people saying that the devil wanted to collect everyone's souls. Yeah, in Italy. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I, but, okay, I think that's... Was that voodoo? She's on the couch. She oh. lost her furry little of mine. Okay. Anyway, I think that's our sign to wrap it up. Someone's probably sending us a sign like, stop podcasting. <laughs> um, okay, well, we really hope that everyone enjoyed this episode. We are back to our normal podcasting schedule. Don't forget, we are launching more things for Samhain. We got, listen, listen, we're already thinking about Yule. Yule is happening in November. Okay, so be prepared. Get your calendars ready. The crazy shit Tan and I have for Yule, you guys are never going to believe it. You're going to be like, gird your loins everyone gird your loins now spooky month is upon us and then it's ancestor month and then it's yule month so yule and then we'll probably be taking a gigantic ass break in january and we won't resurface until valentine's day with the sex candles being like you're ready for sex (laughs) so we're gonna crawl into a hole in january and then we'll resurface again with another one We'll like hiss at the sun in january like slithering into our cave only to be reborn again on the eve of Valentine's for sex. <laughs> which, which I actually hate Valentine's Day. So maybe we'll make it like, I don't know. Well, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. Okay. And <laughs> don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate our podcast in the store. Thank you for all your reviews, your support. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.